This message is paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of sounds that you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you, you could even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral. Because if you drive over the speed limit, you could do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Jay Guisal. What's up, Jay? Hey, hey, happy to be here. It's been a while. Yeah, happy to have you on here, my friend. We are also joined by returning... Uh, what was it? The once and future informer, <laughs> Wesley LeBlanc. Yep. What's up, Wes? How's it going? How are you? Excited to be here. Good, good. And of course, Marcus Stewart. Hello, rounding us out. How you doing, Marcus? Whoop whoop. Pullover. I don't remember. Did, did Alex ever have a, a nickname for you or Jay? I don't. I couldn't remember. Alex made up a nickname for me every episode, and I think one oh, of the nicknames shoot. was related to the fact that I had no nickname. <laughs> the nameless one yeah like am i there like clint eastwood's character and uh fistful of dollars and good bad and the ugly it's just the the you're just the randomizer that kind of feels messed up the man. informer with no name I don't know. <laughs> hmm. okay we'll figure that out uh well welcome to the show everybody um jay marcus you weren't here last week when we recorded this episode uh you weren't on the show at least you were working but uh the show is audio only now I know that there were some people upset about that. I really appreciate your patience, uh, but I think this is for the best for now uh, with our current bandwidth uh, or my current bandwidth and only video editor now. So I made the executive decision, yeah, especially since I'm naked. So you're naked. Yeah, I forgot. I, was, yeah. I, I didn't say anything about that before this recording. We just all accepted it on the discord call that that was what Marcus was doing, but now we're acknowledging it. Yes, Marcus is naked. We still have cameras on, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to pay for that video content. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, listeners, welcome. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, We're going to be talking about our Skull and Bones cover reveal. We're going to be talking about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, I've been playing Rollerdrome and love it. I think we're going to talk a little more Stray as well. Uh, And Steam Deck, uh, of course, at the end of the show. As listener questions. So if you submitted a question, which you can do so at podcast at gameinformer.com or in the Discord or on Twitter, you might be featured there. So thanks everybody for sending those in. Let's get into the show. Now, before our skull and bones cover reveal, Wes, I'm gonna send it over to you real quick in a moment. But I wanted to, we're not gonna have a big news section of the show. We've just got a slammed episode. We got so much stuff to talk about. But I do want to highlight a couple stories that you all should go and check out over on the website and I will link them in the show notes directly link to them. So if you're interested in any of these, you can just go click on it, read it. Or if you just want to head over to gameinformer.com slash news, you can get news over there. First story that you should check out Ubisoft is canceling ghost recon frontline uh, splinter cell VR. They've also delayed avatar from tears of Pandora. 
out of 2022. Uh, so there is no current release window, but it is no longer releasing this year, uh, which I totally forgot it was even going to release this year. That's one of those games that I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Next story you should check out. Discord support is finally coming to Xbox. Go read that. And then uh, we've got more PlayStation VR 2 details. It was actually... I mean, you should go to the PlayStation blog because I'm sure we're just going to summarize that. But if you want to support us, go to GameInformer.com news. I'm sure some extra details or comments on that uh, editorializing it. But yeah, uh, more PSVR 2 details. Uh, again, all of those in the show notes. Go check those out. But let's waste no time. Wes, you had a weird couple of weeks. But <laughs> one of the, the things that you've been working on in those weird couple of weeks is your first cover story for Game Informer. How does it feel? Pretty good. My first cover story, I was not employed by Game Informer while writing it. That's a fun little... You were paid, though. I was paid. I was paid very generously, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, yeah, that is very important to make clear. But not an, uh, not you. This is, yeah, your, it is, your brief yeah. break from Game Informer. I haven't looked at the years. digital magazine, but I wonder if like I'm under the staff list. That'd be pretty the funny if I was. stressing <laughs> vacation oh, of Lord. all time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, I'd already done all the work except actually write it, which is still a lot of work. And after the layoffs happened, Reiner was like, look, we don't you don't have to do it at all no pressure at all but if you do want to do it we can pay you and i was like yeah i do want to do it because i had put a lot of work into this and it's a game i'm excited about and it'd be cool to have a cover story even if i was no longer going to be with game informer um worked out for sure. weirdly in a great way because now i'm back and this is just my first of hopefully many cover stories in the future but yeah skull and bones it's a game that was announced in 2017 and it was probably the worst sounding pirate game ever a 5v5 what, is it fair to say it was in development hell uh i would say so they would probably not say so i asked them a lot <laughs> about a lot of my interviews were about that five-year gap because for basically five years we didn't see anything about this game um and it was pretty much to them and you can read more about this in the cover story they were just saying like it's a new ip it's an open world new ip and it just takes a lot of time to develop it but there's been some reporting from places like kotaku that show a different story which is that this game's been through possibly many different iterations maybe it started off as a black flag multiplayer spinoff before becoming its own ip if you've paid attention to the game you know it was a 5v5 arena multiplayer battler about piracy That's a lot of words yeah not keywords not that. not a lot of good ones though not at least not what <laughs> i personally want when i think of pirates it's not a moba adjacent game but that's not what this is anymore now it is i called it in the story the ubisoftification of the golden age of piracy which is this is a ubisoft game if you don't like ubisoft games you might not necessarily vibe with this but i do i love assassin's creed and the far cry series for what they are and that is just going around, picking up missions, completing them, crafting, getting resources to become stronger so that the next mission you can do, you can do it. And then you just keep going from there. Um, and that's really what Skull and Bones is about. You start as a pirate outcast on the infamy ranking, which is your progression. Um, and your ultimate goal is to reach the top of that tier list, board, whatever you want to call it. And you'll have the title of Pirate Kingpin. Still takes place almost exclusively on the water. This is still focused on naval combat. You know, you're not going to be doing what Black Flag did, which is run around an island and fight soldiers and that kind of stuff with swords. There's some stuff that happens on land, but if you're looking for like a third-person pirate action game, this isn't it. That said, I came away from this cover story very excited about what this game is. And I think... Sure. I think a lot of people 
will vibe more with it once you get past like the kind of shock value of it. Like it's not my dream pirate game, which is like a third person action pirate game. But like this yeah, is what do you mean by shock the shock value of it? Like Yeah, it's just you know, so if you like Black Flag, you probably really love Black Flag. A lot of people Yeah. That's like one of their favorite Assassin's Creeds for good reason. It's fantastic. It's it's probably mine. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. up there for me too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I th- I think a lot of people if you found out the studio like Ubisoft was making a pirate game, you'd probably be like, oh, they're going to make Black Flag without the Assassin's Creed stuff. And that's not at all what this is. And for, for me, back in 2017, I was really bummed about it. And over these five years, not knowing what this game was, I continued to be bummed about it. But after, you know, looking at the game and, and researching it and talking to the developers about it, I think they're, they're going to do something pretty fun. Still not like the pirate game I would think they'd make, but... What they are making is doing some interesting things, and it sounds like they have a pretty good grasp on the naval combat game that they're making. So I think this is going to draw a lot of, or already has, draw a lot of similarities or comparisons to Sea of Thieves, you know. Sea of Thieves, I would say, you know, more of a simulation, light simulation. You know, you're you're dealing with the wind direction. You're, you know, each piece of the ship is manually controlled, right, to make the ship go. And it's all a couple of moving pieces instead of just hold forward on an analog stick to, to drive a ship. Is that sort of what Skull and Bones is doing? Or is, is it what you say it leans more on the arcadey side of that spectrum or more on the sim side of that spectrum? Yeah, so I would probably lean towards the more arcadey side. Right before I did this cover story, I saw a tweet talking about Skull and Bones, and I wish I knew who it was. It was just a random viral tweet that said, Sea of Thieves is all about tools, not rules. And what they talked about was that basically everyone who plays Sea of Thieves has access to the same everything. You have the same, you have this access to the same ship, the same weapons. Like, there's nothing you can do to make your character more powerful than another player. Like, it, it comes down to what you can do with what you have. And Skull and Bones is very different in that. It's, it's more traditional. Like, it's about starting on a small ship, weak armor, your weapons aren't that great, you don't have access to much, and then you kind of just build up from there. And as your infamy rises, which is basically your XP that you earn, you get access to more blueprints for better ships. You get stronger armor. Maybe your your ship is, instead of just wood, it has like terracotta or metal on it. Um, instead of just cannons, now you've got mortars on it or Greek fire or something like that. And so as you progress, your ship is getting stronger and stronger and presumably you should go after bigger fishes in the ocean. And they have, so you get infamy for everything you do. And if you fail at something, you lose infamy, which can affect your ranking. Kind of like in Overwatch, how you can slide back and forth. Mm-hmm. Through oh, yeah, like yeah. Different tiers of bronze and stuff. And the game, one of the big questions I had was about griefing. I get really annoyed in Sea of Thieves when people grief me. Like if they find me and I just keep responding and they just kill me over and over, it's really annoying. And I was like, what's going to stop players who have reached the top of this Skull and Bones leaderboard from just going after small guys and the way they're doing that is that you're just going to lose infamy you're going to lose a healthy amount of infamy so you're the game's going to actively discourage you from picking on small people or small boats ships and whatnot so ideally if everything goes according to their plan you will progress as a pirate in the world you'll have better ships better weapons and as a result you're going to go after bigger catches or treasures you're going to go after bigger ships bigger forts bigger villages that kind of thing marcus have any any questions on Skull and Bones? Yeah, I was a uh, I, I read the cover story and it's fantastic and I'm excited for people Thank to you. check it out. 
Uh, one thing that stood out to me was the part about getting to amass sort of a collection of boats. Like you mm-hmm. start out with like your little, little little dinghy, little boat. Yeah. And then along, you know, as you progress, you can get like big like gunships and stuff. Are you storing these boats anywhere manually or can you just kind of like video game style just swap between them, like summon them? Or can you operate more than one at once? So I didn't get to see it like in game, but I'm I would bet my life like 99% that it's going to be video gamey because you're going to have a bunch of different ships. There's three types of ships. There's firepower, navigation, and cargo. And firepower, as the name suggests, is all about taking down enemy ships, but it's harder to maneuver and there's not as much cargo space, so you can't carry as much loot. Cargo ships, you can carry a ton of loot, but they're hard to maneuver and you don't want to get into battle with them as a result because... It's easy to take you down. And then navigation ships are fast and speedy, but they're not very strong. And so that's how they're attempting to stop you from just sticking to one ship is your different missions. You might have an escort mission or you might have a mission where you got to go take down a fort. And so you're going to be using all these different ships. And when you're at the outpost or dens, as they call them, that's where you're you'll see a ship like at the dock. And I think you're just going to like go into a menu and pick your ship. That's one of the few spots they said there's a loading screen. So I don't think you're going to see your armada of like 20 ships stored somewhere, but I wasn't able to like actually view that myself. So who knows? But everything they've told me would say and suggest otherwise. Okay. Also would, it might be worth maybe touching on a little bit, the narrative or whatever. It yeah. Is. I know it sounded like, like this is not a narrative focused game. Like they, I think they've been pretty clear about that even when they didn't know what the game was years ago. Yeah. But it sounded like it reminded me of Titanfall 1 a little bit, reading your cover story of like how they were approaching like it's a multiplayer game and we've weaved in the narrative in that framework. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's it's you've heard developers talk about this kind of narrative before, which is like you create your own story or your story is the narrative, like your rise to the top. So, yeah, there's not Emergent like a, stories. Exactly. Yeah. Um, water cooler stories and whatnot like this isn't going to be and they specifically said you're not going to like go through missions and then have a big climactic finale and roll credits and the game's over it's very much like your story as your rise from outcast to kingpin but they did say there's some lore bits to find i presume like collectibles there's treasure maps to find um there's pirate vips um i couldn't get them to name drop any but i did ask if there's going to be like a gray beard in place of a Blackbeard, and they said no. So I'm hopeful that there's going to be some like actual historical figures, which Ubisoft is pretty good about. And then you'll kind of learn about their backstories and whatnot. But yeah, this isn't going to be a traditional narrative experience by any means. Have they said anything about what happens if your ship is destroyed? Is it like on cooldown for a little while and you have to use another kind of ship? Or is it do you just respawn and... Is there permadeath for your ships? I know you lose infamy, yeah. Yeah, so there's no, no, there's no permadeath or anything like that. When you die, you will keep most of your loot, which I thought was interesting, but a little bit of it will remain behind for your enemies to get. You can also, I think their goal, and they've expressed this to me, is that, you know, you respawn, you get back in your ship, and you go get the loot that was dropped, or you take down the ship that just killed you so that you can get the loot. Yeah, but there's no, like, super harsh um, penalties in that regard. And you mentioned infamy. Um, so you know how in Overwatch you can drop from gold to silver to bronze if you just keep doing terribly? Mm-hmm. This game has a ton of ranks. There's like Outcast, Corsair, Kingpin, for example. And within each rank is like different tiers. So different tiers of Corsair. You can slide back and forth in between that, but you'll never drop 
below Corsair. Okay. Yeah. So you're yeah. always theoretically like your line, your minimum, is, you're, you're always okay. getting higher up in rank and you don't lose access to any of the things you've unlocked when you drop in sure. tiers and whatnot. Yeah. Just a matter of reaching that first. What's the highest rank? And if you achieve it, do you, can you still lose it? Like the system also reminds me maybe because I don't play overwatch as much, but uh Yu-Gi-Oh master duel has a similar ranking mm. system, but with theirs, once you get to the tippy top, you're there forever, no matter what. It's kind mm. of the reward and to let people know that like you've reached diamond rank because of how hard it is to get up mm. there. Mm. Is, do you know if this game has that or is it like no matter what, you always have to have to defend your spot? Yeah, so Kingpin is the, the highest title infamy rank you can get and there's tiers within Kingpin. But yeah, once you're a Kingpin, you're never going to drop back down to something lower. And no matter what rank you are, players will be able to see using the eyeglass spyglass um, on top of the ship's crow's nest they can look at you your ship and they'll see your infamy rank how much infamy they'd gain for taking you down how much they'd lose if you beat them loot of importance on board and even like what kind of weapons and armor they have Um, so you get a pretty good layout of every person on the uh, open seas and there's about 20 other players on every server so yeah i don't it's, I don't. I think unlike Master Duel, where like if you're the top, like everyone knows it, and you're like this big bad who people want to compete against. I think this game will get to a point where like you see a lot of kingpins. They want everyone to get to that highest rank because that's where the end game kind of stuff happens. Nice. I have a I have a quick question. Outside of infamy, like, uh, are there any other like progression systems? Like, are there like skill trees or anything for your ships? No, no skill trees, but. There's like, well, no, everything is pretty much tied to infamy, to be honest. I mean, there's like, okay. there's gold to like buy stuff for your ship, like food or more resources. Sure. But as you rank up in infamy, you unlock new armor types and new weapons. But to um, to like go purchase those and equip it to your ship, you're going to have to spend like in-world currency. And there's okay. no microtransactions except for cosmetics. Like all you can mm. do is buy cosmetics. So you can't spend money, real money to get in-game money to boost up to the top real quick. Thanks. Yeah. So to be completely honest, I, I'm so skeptical on this. Like a lot of people are. Yeah. But what's <laughs> for some reason in my brain, when you talk about, you know, this game, Wes, I used to be really into World of Tanks on uh, the Xbox One. Yeah. And I played I was I just couldn't put it down. It was the game my dad and I played. And it's very weird. Like for some reason multiplayer games where you just control a an object like a vehicle are always less exciting to me than being a pilot or like having like that going a little step further like having that human fantasy aspect of whatever it is and i don't know what it is like and i think that's why i also don't play a ton of racing games is because i want the fantasy to be about being the driver and not yeah. about being the car and I feel like sometimes I lose that in racing games because I feel like I'm just the car and I can't really connect yeah. to that. So that's why I like Forza Horizon, for instance, I feel like they've kind of tried to like pull out that fantasy of being the driver a little more in recent titles. But a game about just being a tank, I on the surface probably wouldn't like. But World of Tanks, I just want to give a shout out because that game ruled. <laughs> Except for it's, it was there's there was a couple, I think two tank models that. If you saw him on the battlefield, like you were gonna lose because it was that was like <laughs> early John Wick tank. It was more like pay to win uh, stuff, but oh, despite okay. that, I still couldn't put that game down. But 
there there's some stuff that you talk about in this game that remind me of that game and so i'm kind of clinging to that yeah uh, my, my curiosity is still sparked i would say you mentioned forza horizon that's what the game reminds me of most in regards to like ship versus the captain behind it like you do yeah. have a captain you do get to make a character and you do get to equip them with different cosmetics and interact with people in the world there's even like emotes and stuff to use when you're at the pirate dens but um, you're not gonna be spending much time there so but yeah it's kind of like forza where you you can customize your character and there is this person behind the wheel but the car is the emphasis. It's the focus. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. the same here with the ships. Like, it's about the ship. When you think about it, the, the golden age of piracy was the original Horizon Festival. Yeah. <laughs> just those, those exactly. rascals out there causing trouble, destroying stuff, and, you know, singing their shanties. Perfect. Yeah, that's there's, great. there's, it's definitely that in some regards. There's no festivals happening and and no DJ playing some really good music. Dang. But there are they don't EDM in this game. No, not yet. They're they're about three hundred years behind, but one day, uh, one day. <laughs> yeah, just wait for the DLC. Well, cool. Thanks, Wes. That's our Skull and Bones cover reveal breakdown. Of course, go read the magazine for yourself. The digital edition is out now. Um, you can get that at a number of places if you want to tie it into your power up rewards. You can do that over at GameStop if you are trying to get it the quickest possible way. You can go to the app stores uh download the app and you can grab a subscription there but yeah go read the cover story it's really great we have a lot of other awesome features as well in the magazine this month the summer 60 which is our you know 60 games to keep an eye out for we've got a bunch of cool features so go support us it means the world it does help us keep the lights on here and yeah let's get into the playlist playlist is the part of the show where we talk about the games that we've been playing we're going to go to Jay first because Jay has been, I would say, playing the game of the week. Yeah. Uh, I feel like <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is probably the game that a lot of listeners are most curious about right now. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we have you on here, Jay. You are, we call you JRPG for a reason. <laughs> You're the guy who loves to sink hundreds of hours into a single game and, and you know, explore relationships with the characters and... You're an RPG guy. Yeah. How is Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Jay? Well, if I could be honest with you, the game sadly just didn't resonate with me as much as I wanted mm. it to. It was unfortunate. It's a pretty long game, you know, upwards to 100 hours and more. And I, I will say, though, that the premise kind of hooked me early on. It's it's pretty similar to another JRPG that came out last year called Tales of Arise, which is pretty near and dear to my heart. And so the, the, the main story is basically, you know, you're in this the world of Ionios, and you have two nations, the, the Kevis and the Agnes, um, and they're at war. And so uh, the really interesting conceit of this, though, is that the troops that fight for both nations, they're cursed with this sort of 10-year uh, uh, lifespan uh, that they call terms. And so the idea is that these young people, and, and when I say young people, uh, throughout the, the course of these 10 years, these people like grow to be like young adults. But, uh-huh. but the idea is that they, they fight to live and they live to fight. And so immediately when I heard that line in like the opening cutscene, um, I was like, man, like this seems, this seems really, really interesting. Um, like I said, I love Tales of Arise. And so I was really into that, that premise because it is dealing with some pretty heavy themes like racism, you know, like trauma and stuff like that. But sadly, the six main characters, Noah, Uni, Lance, uh, Mio, Tyon, and Senna, they didn't have the same pull and charisma as the characters from Tales of Arise. And so there was sort of emotional disconnect for me uh, throughout a lot Mm. of the story beats. 
Uh, which is, like I said, unfortunate because, you know, a, a big part of RPGs, JRPGs or Western RPGs, is, is the story, right? The characters that we're going to be yeah. with for a really long time. And so when there is that disconnect, it can, side, it can kind of, like, really make the game more of a, a, a challenge to get through. But I will say the central, like, gameplay loop of, of real-time battles was really, really cool. And that was something I kept going back to even as I explored some of uh, these open zone areas that were kind of empty uh, like safe for like monsters and items and whatnot but the gameplay was really solid so you have auto attacks and then you have these face button attacks like sort of uh, uh specials called arts and so really the uh, the central idea is that you can cancel these arts and canceling is just like a xeno speak for chaining you can chain these arts into one another um and it kind of makes like this really like rhythmic it gives this really rhythmic quality to the combat and so That's each, awesome. yeah, it's really cool. And each of the six characters have their own classes. And the idea is that they can learn any of each other's classes, as well as the classes of, of these seventh hero characters that you'll come into contact with. So you can sort of really experiment with team compositions. Um, and it'll usually fall under uh, one of three umbrellas with some hybrid exceptions. So you have your healer, right? Who's going to be buffing and healing everyone with like AOE. Um, abilities. You have your heavy guard, which is a tank that draws a lot of aggro, and then you have like your attacker, who's like your DPS, right? So they're they're getting like crit hits and they're trying to get stabs in the back and and and, and topple or launch enemies and whatnot. And so what's really cool though is that even with that rhythm and even with like those mechanics, the whole time you're kind of keeping an eye on these two gauges, right? And one of the gauges is sort of like this heat gauge that once it builds up, you can activate this special fusion ability where two characters can fuse together and become like this sort of humanoid mech called an Ouroboros. Uh, so, you know, some, some pretty solid Evangelion vibes in there. Yeah, um, for real. Yeah, right? And, uh, and then another gauge that you're paying attention to is your chain attack gauge. And uh, this, is, this is one of my favorite aspects of the game. When you activate your chain attack gauge, sort of, like it slows down time and you sort of play this mini game where you're building a damage modifier by selecting different characters and their arts in quick succession. And so the idea is you want to reach this 100 point threshold. And if you reach that threshold, you kind of reset and you can add more uh, attacks in quick succession. And so you can be sitting there doing a chain attack for just a couple of minutes, you know, getting upwards of like 400,000 damage in this really dope cutscene where everybody's doing um, a lot of really cool moves and attacks. And so that's really what I kind of fell in love with throughout the game. But, you know, couple hundred hours in of 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 just doing that and not so great plot beats you know it kind of uh took a toll i'm not gonna lie so yeah yeah i mean that's like the biggest bummer is just like the time investment it takes to really connect with these characters and then at the end when you're really not feeling it yeah it just it it's a huge bummer and kind of deters me personally a little bit but that's a good reference that you weren't really feeling it Xenoblade, eh? We'll show up there. <laughs> I thought you were doing it on purpose. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> okay, I thought. Maybe it makes it funny. But yeah, I, I'm kind of bummed out too. I've only ever played the first Xenoblade Chronicles, which I as a game I really, really liked, but never played X or 2. Kind of had my eye on this one. It's like, okay, maybe this will be the one that I jump back in on. But reading your review, Jay, like, I'm glad that the gameplay seems to be pretty fun, but hearing that the writing and the storytelling and the characters aren't great that's pretty damning to me for yeah. any rpg because it's like i think I, I i would rather play an rpg that had a really good story 
and only kind of okay combat <laughs> than sure. maybe the opposite because of the investment that it takes. Right. Whereas like the thing that gets me through games that are that long for at least for RPGs is like the story and the characters and seeing how they grow along the way. And the combat, as long as it's just like tolerable enough, you <laughs> kind of turn your brain off and just like yeah. click your way through it. Right. Until you get to the next cool story thing. But yeah, like I, I don't know if I want to hang out with like, a party of dorks for 80 hours. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good way of, of putting it. They were definitely a party of dorks, you know, not even to be nitpicky, but it even came down to like the barks after like battles, right? You can imagine entering like this humongous open zone and there's only monsters there. So maybe you're grinding for a couple hours and like you just hear the same barks over and over again at the end of like each fight. It really does like, you know, I'm the MVP or like you pick up an item and like he has like the 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 British accent. He's like, that's a rare doodad right there. And I'm like, all right, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> that's like, a what? That's a what? Rare doodad. I do like their maybe they, I was gonna, maybe their British accents make it more like tolerable, but I guess not. Like that, I'm the MVP, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, another, right, another, and I went over there and picked up the item. <laughs> <laughs> another, um, another thing that uh, another small thing uh, was the slang in the game. They uh, instead of you know using the conventional curses, they'll like replace like the f bomb with the word snuff. No, so you'll have. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little rough. So you'll have like this scene that's emotionally resonant and there's the bad guy and you just want somebody to just be like, yeah, F you. And they're like, no, snuff you, mate. And it's like, all right. I think I need to take a break. Is that like an in-universe terminology or is that like actual UK slang? <laughs> it's like UK <laughs> Yeah, like, I've heard some British slang, but I've never heard of snuff. So I can't, I'm trying to decide like, where does that come from? <laughs> No man, it's, it's rough. Alex. Since we can't, like, we're keeping it clean. Can we say snuff instead? For uh, I'm gonna have to bleep it if it's if it's a curse word in the Xenoblade universe. <laughs> it's a curse word on my show. It's equally offensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Sorry. What's what the snuff? snuff? Yeah. What the snuff? snuff? Yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah, man. Keep, keep it clean. Consistency. Isn't that the uh, that cat from Thunder? Oh no, that's Snarf. Snarf. <laughs> <laughs> what the Snarf ABA? Well, remember uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? They're like F word replacement, yeah. like Flark. I Flark. think it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 That? That's that exactly than... the kind of vibes Snuff has given me. <laughs> Snuff better than Flark? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it might be worse. I it don't might know why. be. <laughs> Flark at least kind of sounds vulgar in some way, but mm. Snuff is does not. It sounds like a <laughs> weird drug or something. I don't know. Like what star? It sounds like what Star Wars would call a type of drug. Oh yeah, hey, mate, yeah. You got Snuff. Yeah, <laughs> you got the death sticks. <laughs> nice, good That's reference. That's what Boba Fett's trying to keep out of his town. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that sucks. Anything else, Jay? Before we before we move out of here, what did you score this thing? Uh, I gave it a seven two five. And- seven two five. Yeah, and I, I just, I truly do think, you know, checking out the combat is really worth it. Um, it's kind of like controlling a little army on the fly. You have you have your six characters, and then you have like a seventh hero kind of follows you around, a seventh hero character, and it can be really fun just switching to different roles in the middle of battle. It's like super chaotic, but there's this sort of controlled chaos quality to it. And I, I thought that was really, really cool um, and really, really like innovative too, so... Yeah, I would definitely, I definitely recommend like the gameplay aspect of the game, but unfortunately, you know, coupled with how long it is to to roll credits on that, um, 
it, it can be a little difficult depending on you know the amount of love you have for the series because i feel like uh xenoblade fans will probably really love the game because it kind of fits in to the mythos of the previous games as well but um um i just didn't feel like this story and, and these characters in particular resonated with me at all i wonder if they'll do dlc because uh, because hearing about this game like I remember uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had mm-hmm. a similar middling reception at launch. Yeah. But then they added that that those expansions and the free updates. And like uh, Joe Juba has talked about this, but he's talked about how that game is markedly better now than it was at launch because of what they, not even just the new content, but the improvements they made. I wonder if Xenoblade 3 will have a similar trajectory where maybe a year, year and a half from now, it's like, oh, actually now it's worth going back and right. playing that. Right. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, dude, I, I just want more people to play JRPGs in general. So I would love, you know, that second lease on life for people to come back and play that. Yeah. So a lot of people have said, and um, I've seen it all online, like this, you don't need to play one and two to play mm-hmm. three. And I wanted to hear your take on that. But then I also wanted to ask, even if I could just play three, having not played one or two, should I just go back and play one of the other ones anyway? Like if I'm trying to play Xenoblade, a Xenoblade game, is mm-hmm. it... Which where should I go? Should I just go back to one because three is not worth playing alone, or like what's your take on that? That's an interesting question. I think honestly, I would recommend going back to one because of course one that's that's the one that started them all, and it still it still like has that same level of like nostalgia novelty to its systems. But also, you know, uh, it's it's true that each of the the games are sort of like standalone experiences and so you don't need to go back and play one or x or two to play you know blade chronicles three but yeah I, I i think i would recommend the first one as a good place to start and i mean you know the third one does have like quality of of life features that x and, and two didn't have and you know some of those features though are, are kind of not really uh new to the game space i mean you get like an in-game gps this time around you oh. get like short a shortcut shortcut hot bars i mean things you've seen in other games you know but like yeah, for yeah. the xen for the xenoblade franchise it's kind of a big deal but uh so so you know like fans of the series might really enjoy that but i would i would say uh i would say definitely check out the first game because i think uh if i'm remembering correctly there's the definitive edition for that and i think they added quality of life changes to that so cool i've owned the de- definitive edition on switch for like a year but every time I go to play it, I get a little intimidated. So yeah, but I might yeah. do I might do it this time. I might do it. Yeah, it's give good. it a shot. Give it a shot. Awesome. Well, Jay, thank you for for that. Of course. Update on on Xenoblade. Of course, people can go to the website to uh, check out your full review. I definitely recommend doing that. I've been playing a game called Rollerdrome. The simplest, most reductive descriptor I have of this game to just push the imagery into your brain immediately is Tony Hawk's pro skater, but with guns. Finally. Love it. Finally. Finally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They did it. (laughs) Roller drome is like when you go, it's a running team on this show. When you go to golden corral with your grandparents on a Friday night, it's been a long week and you just, you know, you're, you're piling your plate high with, you know, just all the fixings, right? You you might go to the the, the steak station if you're not intimidated by the carver. Um, you might get some, <laughs> you know, some green beans, some mac and cheese, and you might start running out of, you know, might start running out of room on the plate. 
but you've got to maximize your time here. You don't know when your grandparents are going to be ready to go. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to really invest and make this happen. So what do you do? <laughs> you put mashed potatoes on your plate, but it's next to the corn. And those things might not traditionally go well together, but you kind of just <laughs> take a leap of faith. KFC would beg to differ. You, you take a leap of faith, you take that corn, and you put it into the mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. And then you mix them together. And everybody around you is like, this is hideous. This is an abomination. This is rote. And you're like, nah. And you take your first bite. It's heaven. It's nothing <laughs> but the good stuff. And that's what Rollerdrome is. It is yellow corn mixed with mashed potatoes. <laughs> Tony Hawk and guns. <laughs> this game rules, man. Again, I've I, this isn't a review. It's just my preview of the game, but I played six levels, and this game slaps, man. It is... I cannot wait for this to come out. Um, I don't know when it comes out. I should probably know that. It's sometime this year. I think it's sometime soon, rather. And it's great. So you play as a character named Kara Hassan. Um, And Kara is a a rollerblader. Uh, They are, you know, very proficient at rollerblading, and... They are part of a blood sport, and this blood sport is funded and published by a, a mega corporation. Uh, it takes place in the near future, 2030. It's dystopian. Uh, it's a blood sport, so you are competing against other skaters. It's a single player game, but like for the premise of the story, you know you're competing against other skaters. And as you go, you are think of the warehouse in Tony Hawk, right? Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but what if it was full of androids and robots and snipers and giant armored dudes with rocket launchers and riot shields, and you are this skater, and as you skate, you are shooting your guns, but what happens when you run out of ammo? Well, you have to do tricks. That's how you generate ammo. And so you are, it's this frenetic loop of doing tra- and it's your traditional i mean it's a lot of your like you're going to be like shotgunning people while doing a nose grind you're going to be like having dual akimbo pistols while you know doing a christ air I-, I don't think christ airs are in this game but you get the gist <laughs> and all the while you are when you when you kill enemies you get health uh when you're running out of ammo you do um you know you do tricks to gain ammo there are similar to Tony Hawk. There are certain areas. Oh, this is really cool. And like really ties into the, what really is the motivation for me personally to keep playing besides the cool story and the spectacle of it all. But there is a Tony Hawk style checklist at the, at every level. So it's like, you know, maybe in Tony Hawk could be like collect skate here. It's like do a flip over the sniper rifle tower and kill them from above with the shotgun. That's one of your tasks. And as you as you complete these things, your level or your uh, ranking on the level increases from D to S. And man, it's just so good. So I'm trying to think of like I know I've kind of just like word vomited a lot of cool words at people to describe this game. It is just it is bombast. It's fast paced. It's fluid. It just feels incredible. And the oh one thing I haven't said, and this is what like really brings it all together, is there's bullet time, and so. In the midst of doing these sick combos, you're holding, I'm playing with the controller, you hold left trigger, and time slows down, 
and you're like, you know, doing it. It just feels like you are in an action movie and you're like, there's explosions happening on the screen and you're like flying through them, through the smoke in slow motion, just wrecking dudes. And it's all done in like this cool line art, um, very comic book adjacent, you know, very flat color profile. Kind of like Sable. That's what it was. Yeah, like Sable is yeah. Sable. I mean, that's is, what a lot of people thought that it was at first. Like, it was like a sequel yeah. or something. Or? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're familiar with Sable, it is very similar, a very similar look. But man, this game is just so much fun. And I've played six levels of it. And it's, oh, as you're like going down. So one of the levels in particular, you like, you always start at like the beginning of like this tunnel. And the whole premise is like, you're this skater, right? Like you've been in the green room chilling. And there are like moments, story moments where you're walking around the green room in first person and reading notes and kind of piecing this story together. But when you put your, your skates on and enter the arena, you have to like almost like a, like a, like a football team. You got to run through the tunnel. Right. And you just hear like the crowds, like chanting your name and like, and then like this giant steel latch door opens and then you drop in like skating style, like drop into the half pipe. And that's like what starts the, the level. It's really sick, man. The enemy variety is pretty vast, honestly. I'm trying to think. Like I've 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 played six levels. I've probably had to, you know, figure out how to deal with, you know, seven or eight enemy types. And they all kind of interact and require certain moves from you. So, so certain ones. There's one enemy that has like this ice beam. And if you want to and it does a lot of damage. Like I've died a lot to this enemy. So if you want to kill them quickly, once they take damage, a few seconds later, they teleport away. And so if you're not using the right weapons, then you're going to have to like continually deal with them. Um, and so it's all about like, okay, do I want to use the shotgun? Uh, do I want to use the Kimbo pistols? And so if you want to kill somebody quickly, you want to use the pistols and you have to like empty your entire clip. But if you're lucky, you do enough damage and you know they're now out of the match, right? Because there's just so much going on. You got laser sights pointed at you you've got rockets flying in the air at you and you can shoot shoot the rockets out of the air and like they'll explode and cause damage to enemies yeah man this game is just so cool it's also got like one of the best video game shotguns in a while um i i I, I, at first it wasn't doing much for me but then i realized oh this is like i was talking to some friends that were also previewing the game and they they were saying you know this is this shotgun kind of feels like it is core to the identity of this game. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, so when you go to slow motion with the shotgun, it has a second function where you unlock the slug shot. And what happens in slow motion is think of, uh, I mean, it's probably the most similar to like an active reload, right? That's the easy comparison um, where, you know, there's a bar that comes up and you have to, you know, hit the fire button again when that, reaches this this certain part of the bar. In this case, it's the center and it'll turn blue for a second. And so when you do that, you get like an extra like powerful slug shot. So the game becomes this loop of just like you are, it is so fast paced. There's explosions everywhere. You're switching weapons. You're doing tricks to reload those weapons. You're slowing down time at moments to aim. And it's very, it's like the focus is not the aim. Like they help you lock on to enemies like, you don't really have to worry too much. I was kind of, that was one of my, I was like skeptical. Like, am I really going to be able to aim with this? But there's just enough assistance that, uh, you know, you, you really get to focus on the movement of, of it all and kind of comboing things together and stitching, 
your your plans together rather than focusing on the nitty gritty of like oh i gotta aim for this headshot you know the game put this on your wish list man this this game rules um i can't wait to to see i'm gonna look up real quick when it comes out uh, because it's pretty Uh, soon i believe august 16th august 16th Mm. okay yeah yeah it's also worth noting like um because hearing that the skating is as good as it is um doesn't surprise me because this is roll seven making it yeah who was the team behind uh, the ollie ollie series yep uh so they have like extreme sports like stunt trick experience whatever you want to call it so yeah this is something not totally out of their wheelhouse um you know they've done things like laser league in the past too yes so actually the this is interesting this was a a finnish developer named paul they don't have their their last name listed anywhere and i can't find what their actual i've looked everywhere but on twitter they're at chan karab c-h-o-n-k-u-r-a-b-b they're the developer of this game and they've been they were working since 2018 2017 they've been working on this prototype and then they they ended up going to roll seven with the idea and roll seven partnered with paul to really bring it together and give paul the resources to finish making their game cool yeah so it's like this was like just this weird idea that apparently paul brought to roll seven roll seven was like yeah this kind of fits our wheelhouse and then they worked together to make roller drome and it's so cool and there's there's oh there's parts i can't talk about that are just ridiculous <laughs> and, and just to clarify alex this is a single player game so i think yes. when you look at it, it you you would think multiplayer because of the sports added but this is like a purely single player yeah is it in relation to comparing it to tony hawk is it like a narrative driven game or is it the kind of game where you have a level, you're going to beat it the first time, and then you're going to try to perfect the level and get everything done on that level, objective-wise. Yes. Yeah, it's, okay. it's the latter. There is a narrative, though, tying pieces together. Okay. One of the moments that I can talk about, they really play a lot with the, the, the formula, right? Like, they don't just stop at, there's enemies on the ground, they have guns, kill them, right? At the end of the last level in the demo, you are in the most... Tony Hawk looking level, like skate ramps, half pipes, you know, grinding spots. You finish killing all these dudes and then this bipedal mech drops in with (laughs) rockets attached to it and you have to dismantle. You have to use your guns to like dismantle the mech and like as you shoot certain parts of it, its arms will fall off. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, like this game is just going for it. That's awesome. And so I can only imagine how they're going to up the ante. There, there's stuff on Twitter that you can go and look at of the demo. I will say go and look at, yeah, Paul's Paul's Twitter. Again, it's at C-H-O-N-K-U-R-A-B-B. And their pinned tweet is, and I, I haven't found this. I haven't seen this in the game, but I'm hoping it's coming. Uh, there's a giant spider boss, spider mech, where part of the spider is a half pipe. And you are just like oh, that's this, dope. this giant mecha, like like it's like twenty times your size, and it's like put together by like skate ramps and stuff. Oh, so I can't wait sick. for for the full release, so that hopefully you know I assume I mean it, I assume if it's the pin tweet, it's gonna be in this game, but it looks just looks sick, and I I can't wait. This game is really good. I can't stress how much I like it. It is going, I mean, assuming that the rest of the game holds up to what I've played so far, absolutely, you know, I'm going to reserve the word. I'm going to reserve the sentence I was about to say until after I review it, but (laughs) 
it's looking very promising. Um, and I hope that I hope that the the full game sticks the landing. So that's Roller Drome. What's the music like, real quick? Yeah, I was gonna just because I feel like it's a big part of action sports games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh God! Uh, now that you're asking me, I'm like, uh, I'd say it's a mixture of like synth and rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like high octane, like distorted guitars, big drums. There are more. Uh, there are also other moments, like in the story, where it's just very much like arpeggio synths, like do 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 bang, like that kind of stuff. That that vibe. So it's it's pretty sick. I mean, if it's bad, we're all just gonna play Goldfinger Superman over it anyway. Of course. I was gonna I was gonna ask, is it is it graphic? I can't remember from the trailer, but is it like? Yeah, it is rated mature. Oh, it is. Okay. I wouldn't say it's graphic. There, I mean, you are as far as blood goes. There's not a ton of blood. Okay, really. But there's lots of other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> enemies, enemies die. They like they like evaporate and like they leave health behind. You know, I wouldn't say it's graphic, but there is a lot to look at. It's graphic in terms of like explosions and color and like I said earlier, spectacle. But it's not like it's not like you know you're not playing Doom, uh, and and you know it's it's very much like a lot of like militaristic themes you know like think of like what a corporation in a dystopian it takes place in like the real and you're supposed like you're fighting in like places like Berlin and stuff like that but like this mega corporation it's I don't know how the story unfolds but it seems like they've kind of got this like militaristic hold on the public and you are under surveillance they're watching you you're very much like again it seems like you're skating for your life and not just a paycheck but i haven't seen that yet but it just is very there are dark undertones despite it being a very radical whimsical i don't don't know what the right word is like it's a weird game but there are dark undertones and it's really cool am i the only one that gets this game constantly confused with rollerball the terrible 2002 combat sport (laughs) extreme sport skating game which in itself was a remake of a 70s film that is Um, okay they just have similar premises of like near future Mm -hmm. like extreme sport skating thing but like people are dying and it's like i I don't know it's a bad movie you shouldn't watch it anyway but (laughs) is that the is that the james conn movie no, LL Cool J's in it. I remember that, oh. and John John Reno is in it. Oh, okay, then I'm thinking of. And I remember Paul Heyman had a cameo in it. <laughs> it's not good. You don't need to watch it. But <laughs> I get this, whenever I hear Rollerdrome, I think of that movie just because of the are kind of in the ballpark. We all have to go it. watch it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> we'll we'll do it. We'll talk over and we'll, we'll make content out of it. Yeah. By the way, I posted that GIF I was talking about of the game of that Spider Boss from twitter i posted that in the discord server by the way so go check that out but um and that kind of will give you a glimpse into oh, i see it mm-hmm. yeah how's that live reacts live reacts yeah that spider is stomping oh look oh, oh yeah that. cool. oh look yeah. at that little what? poly spider yeah i hope they don't change it they just that's oh, just that's keep really it cool. that way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome like, perfect <laughs> well that's roller drome i'm really excited about it as you can tell uh, one one piece of one thing to note, I, I hope that they can kind of tweak the grinding a little bit. For the most part, it's 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 solid, but there are certain moments when I'm like skating up a half pipe, 
and I go to hit the grind. And it's more of like an animation thing. Like feel wise, it's fine, but the animation's a little wonky. And it's almost like I become magnetized to it, and I almost like go from like a ninety. To, it's like almost like a ninety degree rotation like snap rotation where it's like okay i'm skating on the ramp oh and now i'm snapped to the grind you know that's the kind of i mean they can they can fix that kind of stuff but it didn't really deter my gameplay at all it was just more of like a a little visual hiccup i feel like could be polished some more but yeah game's good i'm very excited to see the full release so that's roller drome uh marcus wes you've both been playing stray right yeah how is it how are you liking it marcus well i finished it over the weekend oh nice and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, Stray is one of those games that it makes me... It's one of those games I'm really glad exists because I'm always excited to see, like, different protagonists, you know, like, outside of just human person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, just... Like, the thing that has kind of sent this game into, like, the stratosphere in terms of, like, notice. Because I, I even saw, like a, like, a general news station reporting on this game being like, have you heard of this cat game? <laughs> got, got the internet on fire and you know seeing all the uh the videos of people's pets reacting to the game like i love that stuff like give me a game that lets you play as anything else than a person and so like the uh, how well this game nails being a cat and and i like cats and i used to have a cat back in the day so it speaks to me a little bit uh i think it does a great job at that and it just makes the it just offers a unique experience because i think otherwise if it was just like the same game but maybe you played as one of the robot dudes It'd be fine, but like the the main draw is that novelty of of you know being a an animal that you really don't get to uh, play as in in many games. I I like that it's not any longer than it needs to be. You know, I got through it in about seven hours, and I was being very thorough in trying to get everything. And I don't think it would fare well if it went longer than that. I think it's you know it does what it needs to do and gets out, which I respect. Yeah, I, too. I think the world design is fantastic. Yeah, like, I love visiting every new area. I think they, the colors, especially like the way the different like lighting and how they mash together. We're like, okay, some of this wall is like covered in red lighting, and then some of it's in blue lighting, and you'll see them maybe like overlap a little bit. Like it's got a very, and I didn't realize this. So I looked it up. I didn't realize that Blue Twelve, the developer, was French because it has a very French vibe to it and then you're like oh that makes sense uh i didn't get that that's cool that you that you called that out yeah it's something about the the robots too i don't know what it is but the huh. way they're designed it just like like french animated films and stuff like that it's oh like, okay yeah um, that makes sense. yeah which i love those robots i think those uh i think the designs and the little led faces with their they're so good yeah yeah i like rubbing up against them and making them have little hearts in their faces making everyone happy i like giving the guy pieces of music oh yeah and listening listening to him play the guitar do you have a favorite song i i do but i couldn't tell you what it's called is it number four number four <laughs> no uh, <laughs> number four of eight was my favorite <laughs> i want to say actually it might have been i thought you meant the song title was four yeah it might have been the numbered four it was either that or six i think there was one that was like untitled that you I think that's i didn't like the that safe. one much yeah that one was a little weird yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed the game. Like, I'm glad that it wasn't really any more simple than it was. I the one thing I was I wish it had that I kept bugging me was I wish you could just jump whenever you wanted and not just to get on a perch. Like, I wish you could just walk around and jump because those sequences when you're running away from the Zerks, maybe it's just the platformer fan of me, but I kept wanting to jump to evade uh, them over instead them? of having yeah. to. Ste- yeah, exactly. That's what I would do. I was like, oh, 
suckers, look at this. I'll just jump over and you're like, oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that would, they would have to like fundamentally change the design of the game. Unless it was just in those moments. I wonder about that. Like, what is this? Like, you're already... When you're not I feel like the sentences. rules of the world then change because like you don't have to worry about running off an edge right now. Like it's not all that precise. It's very like more focused on like finding the path rather than balancing and, and staying on the path, if that makes sense. And I feel like if you were to just let people to jump places, then it might increase some of the frustration. Like some of those pipe sequences, I feel like if I was in charge of actually platforming, might not be that fun. <laughs> but I could be wrong. And it is it does fit with how cats operate. So you see cats jump, they're very deliberate. And they don't That's a good point too. You yeah. know, like when they when you know when a cat's about to jump on something when they give it that <laughs> stare for a second. Yeah, and they like back they, legs kinda they wiggle and then they jump. Do the yeah. butt wiggle. Yeah. So like it does fit that you have to kind of like pause before you jump to your perch, which by the way I recommend if you want to make this game feel a little more immersive, to go Adopt into a the cat. options. Yeah, so first get a cat. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and then have it next to you as you go into the options and turn off the jump prompt. Oh, I did, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I did that early on because, at least for me and how I want to play, it just kept reminding me I was playing a video games. You see it a lot every time you even, like, as soon as you approach a thing that you can jump to, it's just like X. And I was like, oh, I don't really like that. Yeah. So you turn it off. And then it just makes it feel more of a puzzle because then it, feels like you're figuring out like okay i can jump here and then here's the game kind of saying like yep this is good you can do this <laughs> you know yeah i like so, that that's just a good... that's a thing that you can do if you're wondering that's cool yeah I, i'm i'm like in straight i haven't finished it actually i am uh i'm close though i'm in without like spoilers i'm in the sewer no i'm past the sewers with momo okay, okay. you got like about halfway through so i've gotten to like the next main hub yeah you're like halfway-ish pretty yeah okay, cool yeah, um, I've kind of like found the thing that you were looking for. That makes sense. The place. I I haven't played Stray, and so I wanted to ask. You know, does does the cat feel like a like a character, or are you kind of just uh, like spectating things and helping people? I think to, in a good way, it doesn't really feel like much of a character to me. One thing I was excited about this game is how much of a cat it is. Because I don't know, my cat like does not care about i don't even know if my cat likes me or my house or if i just like <laughs> feed it food so it stays like i've never met a cat that's like in love with humans they just think that they're above everybody and i I wanted this cat to be kind of that way just like i'm in my own world doing my own things yeah sometimes i'm helping you but you're lucky i am um and that's kind of how i feel like this cat isn't really i think if you ask this cat at the end how much they care about everything they did they would not care too much <laughs> But in a good way. I don't know if that makes sense, but like that's that's how I felt about it and what I liked about it as well. I feel like the cat likes the robot, at least your little robot. Yeah, like there are times where like he gets knocked down and he's like and what I like I love like to Wes's point that the cat doesn't feel like overly sentient, like yeah. you know, outside of the puzzle solving you're doing, we're like, man, this is a smart cat. But other than that, it's like not really reacting. Like people are treating it like they're like, oh, you you're the one that has to save the world. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But mm-hmm. then it's just sitting there like, all right. So yeah. <laughs> like just like, okay, I guess. And the robot's just kind of doing the heavy lifting in terms of communicating like what you should be doing. Uh and it just seems like the robots like you said, the robot's lucky that the cat is going along with it as much as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the robots are key to key to the sur- them surviving. Like 
they just need a little help along the way, like with something that can fit in tight spaces, I feel like. And I think it's also because they don't know what you are. So they have no yeah. context yeah. for how cats are supposed mm-hmm. to operate. So they're just like, wow, you're just like, they're afraid thing. of you at first because yeah. they've never seen organic animals besides the, the Zergs. So I think they're just like, wow, this thing is pretty smart. I bet it'll help us. We've never known cats to be aloof, standoffish, <laughs> maybe sometimes <laughs> jerks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like that. It it's it reminds me of South Park a little bit about like the best South Park episodes are when the kids are just being kids, but everything around them is like so over the top. And there's like, you guys are the only ones that can save the world. And they don't really care, but their indifference still works out in favor of the people that want them to do something. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, a really good comparison. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like say. that. We're like, this cat only really wants to find its family <laughs> and everything else that happens around it. It's like, you know, I'll, I'm only kind of interested because the side effect of me helping you is me getting closer to the thing that I want. But like things just also just kind of work out <laughs> and fall into place anyway, because, <laughs> you know, I knocked the thing over and then it happened to set off a chain of events. I was like, oh, I guess this benefited you. I Yeah, I like that they didn't make the cat too, I guess maybe too, too human or, yeah. or anthropomorphized a mm-hmm. bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. The the interaction, like one of my favorite bits is when you first get the harness and the first thing the cat does is like, you know, like if you ever put a harness on an animal and they hate it and they just like the cat just sinks to the ground yeah. and just like starts moving around weird for a while because it doesn't like it. And he, like you have to wait for a bit before he starts moving normal again. I like stuff like that. I adore. I think that's super cute. Yeah. And also really accurate. Yeah. They never forget that this is at the end of the day a wild animal <laughs> you know i've been uh playing it on my steam deck almost exclusively i uh, n- maybe not not quite about half and half and by the way runs awesome on steam deck if you, you have to lock it to 30 i think but i'm like cranking the settings man but yeah wes are you are you playing stray yeah yeah um beat it yesterday really enjoyed it i think being able to read reviews and read people's thoughts helped me enjoy it more because like when i st- when you start straight has like all the trappings of a game that's like going to really try to like push a message for or like it has themes and messaging and like this big heartfelt moment and stuff. But for me, at least at the end of the day, it was like not so much that like it wasn't a typical Annapurna game in that way. Um, this was like very much a video game where you play as a cat and I being able to know ahead of time helped me enjoy that a lot more because I probably would have gone in expecting some big reveals or overarching themes and all this kind of stuff which there's loss some there. and heartbreak yeah exactly yeah, is, but like you're just playing not a, a profound game yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i think i'm i aligned pretty closely with blake who wrote um our review he gave it a eight out of ten i think i think one thing i i would hope a sequel which they should include a dog and this cat and they should call <laughs> it stray together that's perfect that's if, if that happens oh. i nailed it um but i all Homeward the, bound. <laughs> <laughs> the my my biggest problem, which is not really a problem, but like all the cool, cute cat things are kind of optional, and I wish they found a way to integrate being yeah. a cat more into like the actual objective gameplay. Like you I can, was thinking, there could be some good stuff with like health, with some of those systems. Um, I was yeah, a little the closest thing sometimes. is that you get achievements for doing certain things like it, it's cool because there's things you would probably do anyway or like 
it's it's like stuff that it's out of the way but when you see it you're like i'm totally gonna do that yeah. because it'd be, it'd be funny and then you get a trophy for it so the game knows that you're gonna want to be mischievous but yeah like stuff like drinking water uh i still found myself doing a lot of cat stuff Same. anyways i felt Same. like yeah like i tore up every couch and scratched up yep. every rug that i saw it, just right. <laughs> it did i was, yeah, right? I was like, like now i know why my does. cat does this to my couch my lovely couch that and i maybe, love, maybe I that's why. enough i don't know <laughs> I guess it's more for like you. the immersion and like you're gonna you're role playing almost right maybe yeah. they're banking on like you're gonna role play and you don't really need to do it for any other reason than to immerse yourself more mm-hmm. yeah really get into being a cat yeah like I think um I was there's stealth sections and I was surprised like meowing wasn't integrated into that because I feel like you know Assassin's Creed games have whistles and that kind of stuff I, like an easy way to integrate cat stuff into this would have been like you need to meow to bring you know, people trying to get you over to you and then you can distract them with that or purrs. Yeah. No, and... there is that in the beginning. Oh, that's but true. That's, that's true. The, the very first chase sequence there, yeah. like you can do that. But I I do feel like the game forgets that after that because I never did it again. Yeah, like, all the stuff just I just... Out, out, outran everything. Yeah, and exactly. There's a point in the game for a time where you could just straight up kill them. Uh, So yeah, it yeah, I wish they did more with that after introducing it. But it's like absolutely worth playing in one of my favorite games i've played this year it's easily one of the prettiest games on ps5 i'm pretty blown away by uh just how stunning this game is every uh, there's no photo mode or at least i don't think there is i didn't use it if there was um but like i really want a photo mode from this game because every if you just yeah if you just stop the cat you could take a photo and it would be gorgeous it's a really pretty game Yeah, yeah it's one of those games where like most any shot that you're in could probably be framed. Yeah. Like exactly. no matter what you're doing, yep. just the way everything looks. Yeah. Word. Well, hey, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to get into the listener email section of the show. Uh, big talker there is going to be Steam Deck. Got a lot of questions about that. I know uh, me and Wes have been playing the heck out of our Steam Deck since getting them a few weeks back. Uh, so we'll be right back after this, after a uh, quick ad break. We all know about the speed of sound. But have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing. Because one way or another, speeding catches up with you. This message is paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back, everybody, to the Game Informer Show. It's time to get into housekeeping before we get into listener emails. Uh, We start every part of housekeeping, every segment of housekeeping, rather, with a podcast review this week. Also, I just want to say real quick, thank you for everyone who went out and left a podcast review. We got several this week. Really, really appreciate it. And I will be shouting you out on the next couple episodes of the show. Uh, This week's podcast review, want to shout out Dr. Salsa. 1214 they left a five star review saying really excited about the future of the game informer pod the first episode of the van aiken era was great feels a bit more informal than when statnik was host uh, but feels like a bunch of friends sitting around cracking jokes and talking games which i love also shout out to blake he's the best that's a very nice nice review dr salsa Thank you for taking the time out of your week to go and leave some nice words about us. Not only does it help us mentally, I think, but it also helps us on the actual podcast platform. Uh, and I can always tell when you know we get we get new subscriptions and new reviews because I can see the numbers going up, and that 
um, makes the people up top happy, and that makes me happy. You're doing me a favor. So thanks, Dr. Salsa, uh, and everybody else who left a review. Really, really appreciate it. This week for weekly recommendations. I know I'm just now springing this on you guys. I'll go first so you can find something to plug. But if you have if you have a, a feature or a review or just a an article from the website or even the magazine you want people to check out uh, and read or watch or listen, to whatever you know, it's it can be anything. Um, this is part of the show where we're just gonna you know share a little bit about what's going on in the world of Game Informer. I'm actually gonna be selfish and plug my Roller Drone preview. Um, I think everybody should go check that out. I worked hard on it. I got it up late because I couldn't stop playing Roller Drone. Um, so I think that's actually gonna, a little inside baseball. That's probably just going to be my headline uh, is I'm my preview is late because I couldn't stop playing the actual game. But um, go, yeah, go check out my Roller Drone preview. I'm going to go over to Wes. Wes, what should people check out from Game Informer this week? I'm also going to be a little selfish and say you should check out the Skull and Bones cover story. That is a good one to check out. Yeah, it's uh, put a lot of work into it. It means a lot to me for various reasons. And I think if even if you're like not excited about Skull and Bones, there's a lot of interesting tidbits of information uh, behind the scenes of Ubisoft's uh, inner workings. Yeah, Ubisoft Singapore especially, right? Yeah. Word. Marcus, let's go to you. Yeah. Sorry, the site's loading slow for me. <laughs> so, dude, that's literally what I'm doing. <laughs> is the website down? It is. I Wait, it is. no, no. I, I just I got sh- the application yeah. denied. No way. Yeah. Oh, we should we should yeah. tell them. Well, I can see what what is doing well. But the... I can I can pull something out my, my No, my you're feed. fine. I, I will cover for you. Uh go check out a news article by Jay. Uh Near Automata player discovers secret room leaving data miners baffled. Sounds very interesting. It's doing pretty well on the website too. So maybe people should go check that out and then check out our, uh, of course our, our Xenoblade three review, uh, our 2022 video game release calendar. We're about to hit the busy season of games and man, everything. There's a game coming out every week. I feel like winter is coming indeed. So gameinformer.com slash 2022. So we can see a full rundown of all the games confirmed for the year. Uh, as well as we also have GameInformer.com slash 2023 getting a head start on next year. So if you're curious about when your favorite games might be releasing, if there's a release date or not, if it got delayed, you can go and check out those release date calendars on Game Informer. Uh, I know they're a big help to a lot of people, my, myself especially. Next up, I just want to shout out the Twitch channel. Go, to, go over to Twitch.tv slash Game Informer. We stream there on Thursdays, Fridays, sometimes other days as well. Blake's been streaming games and also building a Gundam model uh, this past week. Marcus uh, Reiner and John Woody, our programmer, finished up Jedi Fallen Order last week on replay. The climactic finale. How's it feel to be done with that game, Marcus? Uh, Our long national nightmare is over. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A super replay that would never end. And mainly because we just kept like bumping it because we had this weird what like almost two month long streak of other things happening on friday yeah um but now it's over and we've uh if you weren't there our next super replay is going to be metal gear rising revengeance oh which should start i think we said it would be this week but i also at the time didn't like connect the dots and i'll be out this vacation (laughs) uh friday off to a great start yeah off to a great start another (laughs) replay that will never end uh <laughs> so next week metal gear rising revengeance friday on twitch 
2 p.m. Central. It'll be fun. I'm probably I'm really in the mood to stream some Fortnite soon, so I might do that. I'm on a huge Fortnite kick. That John right Cena news got you, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got to play as the champ. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing with Sean Thomas and a few other friends. Actually reconnected with my childhood best friend, Benton, and we played together. Was, we hadn't talked since like seventh grade. Oh, wow. And we played Fortnite the other night and talked. It was it was, it was cool. I misinterpreted that as like, Fortnite's not that old. Like, I've been playing Fortnite <laughs> since we were kids. <laughs> and now we're back. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, all that over on twitch.tv slash Game Informer. We typically aim to go live at 2 p.m. Central on Thursdays and Fridays. Again, with the layoffs and everything, that's a little, you know, we're doing what we can. We're kind of streaming when we can stream. But those are typically the days we we aim to do that. But you can go and follow us, turn on notifications, and you'll know when we go live there. Uh, over on YouTube, go check out my Roller Drum preview. I really appreciate it. Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff that will be coming to the YouTube channel in the coming weeks. I'm going to Evo next week to Las Vegas. You can expect a vlog. You can expect uh, interviews with developers. I'm doing a, a larger story on Evo itself on as a video profile. So uh, expect some cool stuff coming uh, soon to the YouTube channel. You're competing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm on. I'm gonna be on the main stage, actually. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm playing. Um, I'll be the only Super Smash Bros. player there. Um, you know, the, the the game isn't officially isn't officially being supported at Evo this year, but they said they make an exception. They've seen me play Link. You're doing it like Sakurai, where you can you use two controllers to play. Yeah, they yeah. said everybody <laughs> deserves this to see this show. <laughs> And I said, well, I won't let you down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you are going to Evo, if you're in Las Vegas or will be in Las Vegas between August 4th through 8th and you want to meet up, you want to say hi, I guess that'd be a good time to do that, huh? Follow me on Twitter at It's Van Aken. T- contact me there if you're interested. Follow Marcus on Twitter. He's not going to Evo, but he's on Twitter. You can follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart 7 You can follow Jay at Jason underscore we sat what, what is it now did you change it i think it is jason underscore we sat yeah okay cool. i think that is it yeah you were i wasn't sure if you changed it to jrpg or not but uh and you can of course follow wes at leblanc wes uh and that does it for social plugs don't forget to go listen to our other podcasts video gameography all things nintendo from panel to podcast yeah let's get into listener emails finally again if you want to be a part uh of listener emails you can email us podcast at gameinformer.com you can ask questions in the Discord, which you get access to by subscribing to us on Twitch. But yeah, this is the part of the show where we answer the questions, answer your burning questions. Uh, let's get into it. On Discord, Winners Redacted asks, has anyone that purchased a Steam Deck found themselves playing it more than their actual PC or console of choice? I, I'll go first. I would say no, but I am also playing handheld a lot more. Yeah, I, especially I've been I've been traveling. I've been to go see my dad in Virginia last week, and I I played Stray as a part of that. I played a little Roller Drome on Steam Deck. I played uh, a game that I'm reviewing for us on Steam Deck. I played World of War, dude. I got World of Warcraft running on Steam Deck. Oh my Saw god, that. that's wild. Oh my god, dude, Incredible. it is wild. I I feel like I've, I'm like a hacker. I just followed a guide on on Google, but man, that thing rules. I don't if I'm pl- am I playing it more than my actual PC or my console of choice? I'm playing it more than consoles. It is kind of like my not like when I'm not playing on my my desktop, I am playing on the Steam Deck. I haven't really 
played much PlayStation or Xbox lately. What about you, Wes? So usually I have a console game going and then I also have something on Switch and I kind of will, you know, lay in bed, watch TV, play Switch at the same time at night kind of thing. And the Steam Deck has kind of overtaken the Switch in that regard. I'm still mostly playing PS5 and Xbox. I'm not too big on PC gaming only because I have it set up where I usually work. And so, you know, when I'm done working, I like to leave that space. Yeah. So that this is kind of like give Steam Deck's giving me the opportunity to play games I've been wanting to play on my PC for a while. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, I have slipped back into just playing Final Fantasy 13 again. And that's kind of what the Steam Deck has become. But I'm not yet at the phase where I know where the Steam Deck's going to fit in my lexicon of gaming i'm still i don't know if you've been doing this but like i'm heavy tinkering with the steam deck at all times like i am doing things that i make me feel like a hacker uh maybe (laughs) some illegal stuff like roms i don't know if i could say that no 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 no, never would not do that not no certainly didn't find a way you're gonna get fired again dude I'm kidding. I'm sorry. That's, no, that I got, was too soon. I got I got laid off the first time. Now I'm gonna get fired for playing SSH tricky <laughs> yeah. on my there Steam Deck. There is a difference. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just basically trying to see how far I can push this. Like when I play a game, I'm less playing it and more just playing for 10 seconds, seeing how it runs, messing with some settings, yeah. seeing what I can do, and playing a bunch of non-Steam Deck games on the Steam Deck. Same. Wink, yeah. wink. Yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> we won't name what games are playing, but I'm with you on that. Well, actually, I haven't finished setting it up, but I've I've got all of the pieces installed, and I've got my ROMs on a SSD. I just haven't transferred them to my Steam Deck, but that's like the last piece of the puzzle. But yeah, I'm excited to do that as well. I think next I might try to install Overwatch on it because I've got the way I did World of Warcraft. I now just have like I boot up Battle.net oh, from the Steam okay. Deck, and then I boot the games from Battle.net that I want to play. And so theoretically, I, I just, I'm not theoretically, I know I could just download Overwatch um, and have that as well. It's more a matter of keeping that stuff on my internal hard drive because I just think it, when you're doing stuff out of Steam, I feel like it's just better to do it on the hard drive, unless you're doing like ROMs because those are so, you know, so lightweight. Um, but in terms of installing, you know, a launcher, I want to keep that on the actual internal SSD. And so I just got to see how much space I have, if I can have multiple games from Battle.net on there. But I'm I'm really enjoying it. Let's get to the next question. Before you do, can I share something tragic? Oh, no. Is that I missed my <gasps> pre-order, my, my like purchase no. thing, like my email. No. Apparently my email came in a few days ago or like, or I don't even know if I got an email. I sent it on Steam, like a Steam notification, but I didn't fire up Steam until like Sunday night. And then I got a, the first window pops up saying like, hey, time to buy your Steam Deck dated July 21st. And it's like, you have until today oh. at 1 p.m. Oh, and I'm no. like, well, it's like 8.30 p.m. now. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> so, my God, dude. So I, I, I missed my, I can't be cool like you guys, I guess, until... The next, you got pushed back, right? I guess I don't know how. It I don't works think you. you I don't it. think you forfeit it. I think they just move you to the back of the line. I got a refund email. Oh, you did? Mm. Yeah, they're like, here's your five dollars back. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, I think you will have to redo it. Ah, that stinks. I'm sorry. Were you Were you ready to buy? Like when I got my email, I was 
not prepared to spend that Steam Deck money, but I knew I had to. So maybe there's a silver lining if you weren't ready to buy it. Now you can prepare. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely like when I saw the email, I was like, oh, this would be somewhat irresponsible to buy this right now, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess, may, I don't know, maybe I it was a blessing in disguise that I don't have to make that choice. But yeah, we'll see. I can't I can't toast my Steam decks like you guys do. I don't know what you rich people do over there. But. <laughs> yeah, we um, we lawed over the common people below my apartment. I sit on yeah. my patio and, you know, play it. I've got a I've got, you know some fancy rings on that I put on when I play it. <laughs> I've got like the Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. I put a feather in my, my cap uh, and I sit up there and, and play stray. Wow. People walk by and I say, I'm playing stray. Have you seen you this Steam deck thing? I don't, I don't even talk to them. They don't, they don't, oh, even you, know don't even, you don't oh, even wow. race them no. with a conversation. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I announce to them that I am playing <laughs> premium hardware. Mm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know which method is snootier. <laughs> yes, truly. They don't know I'm playing SSX tricky. And then they look at me and they say, "Snuff you, mate." Oh, there oh, you go. Oh, That's a rare doodad you got there. <laughs> you should be screaming from your balcony. I'm the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question comes from Logan on Discord. Logan asks, "Has your Steam Deck replaced the Switch for you?" I played my Switch quite a bit with Monster Hunter, Pokemon, etc. with the Steam Deck essentially being an open source system with full access to my Steam library. I'm able to snag those emulators and all that. I haven't touched that Switch in a long time. Yeah, I think Wesley kind of hinted at this. Seems like it's for now replaced your Switch. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, I, that'll change when first party games. Yeah, I did just get Live a Live. So I, am, I, I picked up my Switch for the first time in like a month after playing Steam Deck and it was really strange. Wait, hold on. I, I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Is it Live a Live or is it Live Alive? No, it, it's Live Alive. Oh. I, I don't or, even remember what I said. I switched or it up, live, so. <laughs> live Alive. Alive Alive. alive. I, think, live. I think Reiner thought that it was Live Alive. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, yeah, Live Alive, that, that sounds like a very video game title. No. But, I mean, it sounds like once you get a Steam Deck, the Switch just becomes the Nintendo machine. And that's it. Like yeah. only their first party stuff. It, at yeah. That point. Th- I mean, I don't know. It's, it is much more portable than the Steam. I mean, the, they're both true. portable, but like the switch is a lot lighter. Switch also has the OLED screen that yeah. I have. I have mm-hmm. this OLED version. So I'm thinking like when cult of the lamb comes out, that might be a, a switch game for me. Yeah. I think that's coming to switch, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. There's, there's yeah. a few games like that, that I still, I still want to switch for. It's yeah. more so like, am I messing around with like a a stray, like a very visually demanding game? Um, then I'm gonna play it on Steam Deck, right? But there's, I still, I still plan to to use my my switch for less demanding games. How about that? That portability is a good point. You can hide it better. I was gonna ask you, Jay, as a New Yorker, would you dare play a Steam Deck on the subway? Dude, I don't even dare to play my very very like original vanilla version <laughs> switch on the subway Damn. so <laughs> i'd probably take out i'd probably take out well, those are more valuable man yeah yeah i'm sure yeah, for the i wouldn't dare bring minish cap on a subway man. <laughs> <laughs> pokemon fire red no way yes yeah, the moment someone hears that killer 
Minish Cap OST. Oh yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna they know. <laughs> I'll bring Legacy of Goku on the subway. <laughs> You'll bring Legacy. I think <laughs> that I game's great, of but Goku there's a lot of copies of it. Um, I'll bring yeah Scooby Doo right. <laughs> uh, Mystery Mansion. I don't know if that's a game. It sounds like a Scooby Doo game. I, by the way, I used to love those Scooby Doo games. What was the one on <laughs> Dude, GameCube that everybody loved? Uh, it was a 3D platformer. Um, is that such a thing? A thousand. Thousand Night of a Thousand Frights? I think so. Night of a Hundred Frights. That game, sick, man. Yeah. It wow. Is. Like unironic. <laughs> it was Un- sick, really. No, yeah, it was good. It was <laughs> I was like, solid. I just, I've never heard anyone. I've never played a Scooby Doo game, let alone hear anyone. Oh, really? Celebrate one. Oh, I played. Yeah, I played a bunch of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think people consider Night of a Hundred Frights to be one of the GameCube's better games. One of the greatest games of all time, I, I, I think. I, 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 wow, it is really is solid. <laughs> I don't, I don't know yeah, what to just, believe. Just right go now. all in. On it. <laughs> no, hold on. No, hold you've on, got Breath on. of the Wild, GTA Five, <laughs> oh, and then Scooby Doo: oh. Night of a Hundred Fright. Yeah, this, hold this on. Is We're gonna go to Metacritic. <laughs> we... <laughs> okay, Scooby Doo: Night of a Hundred Frights on GameCube. It's a sixty-eight. So That's maybe pretty, not quite. It's pretty, so, pretty solid for <laughs> one point uh, away. One point away. Game back in the day for that era. Yeah. Super User score is a seven point four. Dude, well, GI gave it a six point five. Who did it? Yeah. Who was it? Let's find it. Who was it? <laughs> uh oh. Who was it? <laughs> if you guys are mad at the Xenoblade review, wait till you read this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I, was... I got to know. <laughs> Matt, Matt uh, Helgeson. Damn it, Matt! Wait. How could you? You're on my list, Matt. Damn it, Son Matt. Of a gun. Of Scooby-Doo haters. Uh, well, thanks for that question, Logan. Another last Steam Deck question. Or not really Steam Deck. I, this is for everybody. Judonkadonk on Discord asks, There's a lot of talk about making games portable. What portable games would you like to make non-portable with or without a remaster? So this is literally taking a, a portable game and just releasing it on consoles is not doing anything else to it. Like yeah, think like blowing uh, it up into a bigger thing. Think Tearaway, think Gravity Rush, games that were once portable only that are now you can play them elsewhere on more powerful machines. Ooh. Mhm. I have one. Yeah. Does anyone remember the PSP game uh Jean d'Arc? No. It was a turn-based strategy game by uh level 5 based on Joan of Arc. But like it was pretty much if what if we turned the story of Joan of Arc into an anime, like the most anime-looking thing. And it was on PSP. It's literally just kind of like a tactics game, but it's really good and it's one of my favorite games in that library that nobody talks about. Um cuz level 5 is pretty good with their, you know, RPG strategy stuff. Yeah. But that game has never been ported anywhere ever it's been trapped on that device and i'm wondering with this playstation plus tier if they'll make it available finally now through that but i think that game could work on like does does moving it to switch count i think so (laughs) the switch is hybrid yeah Yeah. okay i was like that would be a fantastic switch game you know for obvious reasons but um if that if that counts but i think it'd be fine on console too so yeah i'll say that just to get that game like give it a a new lease on life I think similarly, well, not PSP, but something I want on Switch, right? Granted, I've, I would want it on everything, but it's a first-party Nintendo title uh, that is stuck on the DS systems. Um, but Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, I've heard really good stuff about. I've never had the chance to play it, actually. And yeah, I've heard people really like that game. And also, what is it? Mario and Luigi Superstar? The Superstar? GBA, the first one, Superstar yeah, Saga? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I've heard those are really good too. And I, I just missed them the first time around. Yeah. Does it count? Cause I think superstar saga, wasn't it ported to like the Wii U? Oh, was console? it? Okay. Yeah. It might've been, I it think Bowser's not, inside not. story was not. Yeah. None of the, cause that's the tricky thing with porting DS and 3DS games is how do you translate the dual screen gameplay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To anything else? I'm looking, I'm looking. Yeah. I don't think the the first result was a fan cover art for the Wii. So I don't think Bowser's inside story uh, came out there. So, yeah, I think that'd be cool if it came to uh, the Switch. Uh, I don't know if that's in the spirit of the question, but I'm I'm saying it is. I think that would be impressive regardless. Again, how do you account for the second screen? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, how do you rework the it? mobile app, man? <laughs> this, oh, <laughs> the Switch mobile, just get, you know, it comes with a proprietary <laughs> mount. You put it up yeah. there. Yeah. I trust Nintendo, the, the company that has mastered voice chat to be able to handle that well. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what about you? I would go with PS Vita's Uncharted Golden Abyss, I think. I've never I've never played it, but I love Uncharted, and so it'd be cool if it got you know, I feel like asking for the P five treatment might be too much, but if it was if yeah. it was like a well, P four like I don't think you can because didn't the question say that we couldn't do anything to it? Like no remaster or remake, it just It says with or without remaster. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, cool. Whew. Yeah, I don't know if I would <laughs> yeah. want to play like the PS Vita version on like, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. I I love Uncharted. Never played Golden Abyss, um, and it would just be cool to to have it on Wasn't my big old Killzone, TV. The Killzone game that was exclusive to Vita, Mercenaries. I think I right? thought that no. was the one that er. PS4. Mm. There, but I'm pretty sure there is one, right? I, I know there's a Metal so. Gear that's uh, PSP. Yeah, yeah, the two uh, Peace Walker. PC, and, yeah. uh, I think yeah, I remember that. Portable ops, but I didn't those make it over to console eventually. I think Peace and a Walker collection. Did. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Peace Walker did. But uh, Uncharted's a good call because like, I'm the same way. Where like I love Uncharted. That's the only one I never played because I never had a Vita. So yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. always kind of surprised that that hasn't happened yet, just because of how big that series is. That they just haven't remastered. I know that game uses some like touchscreen and like back pad stuff right. so maybe that's why but also there's a touchpad on the mm-hmm. i mean on the dual shock and a dual sense so it's like probably just do that yeah it's kind of in like the that's true it reminds me of arkham origins where rocksteady just kind of acts like it doesn't exist because they didn't make it and i feel like playstation <laughs> and subsequently naughty dog don't really want to acknowledge uncharted golden abyss um because it wasn't naughty dog that developed it right it's right it was ben. Well, no, it was ben. owns that studio so yeah, bring it over. Make it happen. I want to play it. Mm-hmm. Can't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Do you have any more? I've got two. One is something that everybody asks for in once, and that would be Golden Sun. Just, oh. Just oh, my bring, God. Just, wow. Don't, don't, you don't even have to touch it. In wow. fact, don't. Don't put a weird filter smoothing technique on it. Just give me that original <laughs> game playable <laughs> on something. Yes. Uh, but the my true answer is one of my favorite games of all time. Marcus, I'm hoping you've played it, and I think you might have. Maybe. We'll see. Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul. Oh, <laughs> I, I know what it is. I don't think I played that one, but I know of it. Oh, I, I, it think is, I think that's one of the Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh games God, I didn't play. I that it's so good. <laughs> got me, like, screaming. It's so good. I, can, I still hear I, I know that entire soundtrack, like, front to back. It's just a really good like kind of back to basics Yu-Gi-Oh game. Um, and I think it would, well, I don't know. Yu-Gi-Oh is a different beast today, but I think it would do pretty well to have a game that kind of is like, you know, the original Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, I did play this one. This one ruled. I, yeah. 
I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh games, but I couldn't remember which one. But I recognized the. It's the Game Boy Advance one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I played this one to death. There was when yeah. I was in. Oh, um, so good. Uh, my senior year at high school, we I was in like a pre-calculus or something like that. And we had these super fancy calculators, graphing calculators, and yeah. the ones we had to get for the class were advanced enough where you could put ROMs on them. And I had this game as a ROM on my calcul on my calculator in pre-cal. Didn't do very good in the class, and it's because of this game. Me and my friends would just play it the entire time. That rules. <laughs> yeah. If it helps, I got the I did get the cars that came in the with the game. I'm pretty sure that's like, why oh, yeah. I originally by bought trading it. with people. Yeah, because yeah. it came with skull dice, graceful dice, and mm. exchange. Yeah. Uh, another another series where well Yu-Gi-Oh it's all about the cards but Pokemon one of the best Pokemon games ever made that nobody talks about is the Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy Color it is incredible that game slaps it is top it is one of the top I'm not going to put a number but it is a top Pokemon game stranded on the Game Boy Color never never I don't know if it came out on virtual console or not on Wii but I'm gonna say we need that. Yeah, it might have come to the 3DS Virtual Console. Really? Okay. That, that's but that's still a handheld. <laughs> so you know, need that one. There's ordered. a trading card something coming out, right? Maybe a mobile game. Yeah, the trading card game live that got. Delayed. That's just like the rebrand of the online card game that's been around uh, for okay. decades. Yeah, it's already Pretty out. Much. Uh, Jesse Vitelli was playing it in Discord the other day. But you know, the Pokemon trading card game on gb on game boy color was like what if you were playing the open world rpg but instead of throwing and catching uh -huh. pokeballs you're trading and battling cards in you know johto that's sick that's actually really really cool it's it's rad and dude that game's so good um go play it it's funny one of the games that would have been my answer for this is actually happening which would have been crisis core oh well uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the game called Vanekin, I just want to write it down not to... Uh, just the Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy Color. Okay. You're going to go to the game shop and try to find a, a cartridge? Yeah, yeah. Definitely not looking at ROMs or anything like that. That would be No, silly. yeah. Definitely. You got to <laughs> gotta buy the game itself uh, when it came out. You know another Yu-Gi-Oh game real quick that's that's good? I don't know if y'all have played it. It was like the Yu-Gi-Oh GX game on the, the PSP. Have you ever played that one? I it's like called, that one. Um, uh, what's that really called? It was like Attack Attack Force games were GX era. Because you could make your own character, I think, and then you were, like, placed in one of the houses. Because, you know, GX yeah. was, like, a boarding school kind of setting. That sounds sick. And you can I walk around. That's, and... That sounds a lot like Tag Force. I you think it is Tag Force. Force. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so maybe it's Tag like Force. Them, but I really like yeah. that one. Man. Those games were... I played the crap out of Tag Force 2, specifically. <laughs> I played... Dude, there was a facility, I think, in the first one that you can go to and you can enter the yep. serial number mm -hmm. of, of your mm -hmm. real life card in it. And you could just, you can get like your whole real life deck in the game. And it's like, dude, what? <laughs> Do you think we'll ever get a Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon? Mo mostly Yu-Gi-Oh! is the question, but do you think we'll ever get a Yu-Gi-Oh! game that isn't told via like visual novel style where you're actually like walking around the world? Like a straight up, like, I don't know if it has to be an RPG exactly, but... An like, RPG adjacent, Like, like a yeah. third-person adventure yeah, game and not, yeah. yeah. They could get silly with that one yu What was that Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, series where they had yeah. motorcycles? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, because yeah, they've had games in the 5Ds, but they're just like, you're just playing the card game, yeah. but they went all the way, like, no, 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 this is 5Ds, the video, you are on your motorcycle. <laughs> and that would be amazing. Especially because... <laughs> 
uh, fun fact, 5D is <laughs> arguably probably the best Yu-Gi-Oh anime of them all. It's absurd of a concept. Really? It is, it is what? Amazing. It is one of the best. It's probably the is best it one. Really, it's an dude. amazing story. <laughs> Dang, that's awesome. Oh, my God. Cool. Well, I'm going to cap the questions off there. Do you want to give one last question or one last comment? Biscuits of Davey wrote in uh, saying less of a question, more of a suggestion. I think the movement in Roller Drome is exactly how GI should shoot all video footage from now on. So, yeah, every one of our reviews going forward. We'll have bullet time included uh, in the commentary. Yeah, I just I'm excited to announce that. I didn't know if he meant like should we be wearing like strapping GoPros and going skating? Is that what the <laughs> that, that too is, right? <laughs> that too, I, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to No Way Ryan Tatum, DJ underscore Stormageddon, and SSGT Dutch uh, on Twitter. We got your questions. We're gonna save them for next week. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Of course, go and follow the crew. You can follow Jay at Jason underscore Guisau. Follow Marcus at Marcus Stewart seven. Wes is at LeBlanc Wes and I'm at it's Van Aiken. Uh, review the show. If you enjoyed it on iTunes or Spotify, email us, tweet us your questions for next week uh, and share the show with a friend. I know there's been a lot of changes, but I'm feeling like, you know, we are, this, this episode felt really good. We're still rolling on with the GI show. We miss Alex, of course, but um, yeah, there's still something Something to look forward to every week on Thursdays on audio platforms, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Yeah, that's going to do it for the week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.